0: You just had this confidence.
1: It wasn't just swimming. You just had this trust in
0: things, people, the world.
1: God, I love that. And I was so afraid that you'd lose it as you grew up. That confidence, that faith. But you didn't. And then I failed you. It was my job to make sure you didn't lose it. To keep you safe. What am I if I can't protect you? And to see you lose
0: that confidence. To see you question yourself. Don't the idea would even occur to you to want to hurt yourself. for you to think for one minute that you weren't as beautiful
1: <laughs> I don't know if you can ever forgive me Annie. I really don't know if you should I'm oh, sorry,
0: uh, Daddy. I love you so much. hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear where every week and especially this year and especially this episode we discuss what scares us In order to find what saves us, this is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your fear of God hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here a minute ago, but said he had to go listen to the newest Hanson album. Don't knock it if you haven't tried it. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners into this, our final episode of phase one. Of our big series for the year, What Scares Us slash What Saves Us, a series that has been defined by all of us. Very exciting times. A series where listeners like you have been submitting your stories of films and media that instilled or stoked a certain fearful imagining in you, and we have been covering them here on the show. I'm getting a bit ahead of myself as I am prone to do because I really don't want to talk about this movie today. Here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain except for right now when I explain that you can listen to The Fear of God at your nearest podcast platform. You can watch The Fear of God on YouTube and you can browse The Fear of God on the web at thefearofgodpodcast.com where you will find
1: <laughs> Read. Read. Hello. You're back. Hi. You're here. Hi. That's a good album, wasn't it? I, Heart I, and soul. I love it. You know, the the best thing about it is I watch this show with my family called The Masked Singer. Mm. And mm-hmm. It's a very gimmicky show, but what I love about it is it's a a very sort of – its tone and spirit is very positive and uplifting. So the concept is purely that there is a celebrity, and they are in an elaborately costumed mask, um, and so, like, they're playing a character. They'll play some outrageous character like the porcupine or the snail or something like that, and it's a big costume that they're wearing. But then they get out there, and all you have to go on is their voice, their singing voice. And then the judges try to guess who they are and then they're unmasked at certain points. Well, there was this, uh, costume called the Russian doll and the gimmick behind it was initially it was just one doll out there and during the first performance it broke open and a second one like sort of moved and emerged and, and came out there and I knew pretty early on in it I was like oh my gosh and the reason I'm bringing it up is because it was Hanson and I knew their voice and I was like oh my gosh this is fantastic they're giving clues along the way of like oh mm-hmm. uh, you know this character went through you know they, they talk about their lives but they talk about it in very vague ways so as sure. to try to not make it too obvious uh, and everything but it's, it's super but, fun I've never watched the show but are
0: they are you hearing their voices what are they singing when How they is, when they the...
1: talk so like when they give clues about their life their voices are distorted it's you know like hello sydney (laughs) i mean it's it's a little bit like that it's just one of those things where it's just very clearly got a distortion filter on it um but when they sing it's it's pure like when they sing it's their singing voice which is why Hanson was so easy to peg because especially once they start harmonizing with each other they've got a very distinctive sound um but no it was really really great and they lasted pretty long i think they got into like the top four of of
0: people just meaning uh, people couldn't guess No,
1: they were. Is that how it works? uh, No, what it is, is they perform and then the audience votes on the best performances of the night. Lowest one gets unmasked. And so then, uh, you know, the person who's consistently the best and top performer gets unmasked last so Mm -hmm. um, but no it's a really fun show Uh, we enjoy as a family watching it and guessing who all the clues are and sometimes we get it right I think my favorite one because I got it and the judges never guessed it correctly and I was the only one also in my family to guess it is when Danny Trejo uh, came on as, as as one I knew because I had just recently seen a documentary about his life. I knew some of the more detailed <laughs> clues that he had been given. So I was like, "That is Danny freaking Trejo." It was, wow, it was awesome. Only lucky. Oh, yeah, it was great. So anyway, yeah. that was a big. I love it. Big nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, but, I yeah. mean,
0: I you know me. I'm 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 down for Hanson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do love. Um, it. I also know why you said that. That's what I was doing during this uh, during this movie because I heard I heard them on the soundtrack. So oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: that opening track. That's, that's right. Rather misleading. Um, <laughs> um, Riri, uh, uh, we do actually have a little bit of business time. And that's that I don't know exactly when the mini-sode will fall in relation sure. to the release of this episode. But listener, be looking at your feed and either the day before, the day of, or a day or two after this drops. Uh, yes. There's going to be a mini-episode about what saves us the next phase of this year-long series we're working on we are going to take a brief pause and we're going to have a grand old time uh celebrating the 80s um and when we finish that we're going to jump into what saves us the the second half of this series so you need because like what scares us we can't do this without. We can't you. do this without you um, no. it'll be real short episodes so <laughs> which <laughs> i don't know maybe you want that uh <laughs> but go fill out your submission for what saves us we are very excited about the possibilities there check out the mini so to hear a little more about what that means yes uh and kind of the the intention behind what you'll be uh submitting and let us know what's saving you now
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the only uh, that's the main bit of business. And we cannot emphasize it enough that like, yes, by all means, we need your submissions. More about it is unpacked on the sode, So be on the lookout for that. And then be ready to share your stories of what you want us to cover on the pod about what saves you. So yeah, I don't have any other business other than the usual like, hey, go check out the Facebook group. Hey, go check out the website. Check out our recent blogs. Lots of fun. Just check it out. Just check Check it out. out, Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. out. So, Um, uh, go for it. So, this is ostensibly the last episode of our "What Scares Us" arm of of of, of this wave, uh, the first half of the year of this of this grand series. Um, So, before we get into the actual content of the movie and the the actual the somewhat challenging story that we're going to be talking about today. Um, Do you want to go through just a couple more of the listener submissions? This will be our last chance to do it. We had a couple of listener stories. Um, We tried to get to everybody, but uh, obviously a few people submitted more than one. So uh, would love to kind of just share, uh, you know, three or four of those stories real quick before we dive into it. If you don't mind, do you want to go first? Do you want me to let's do it? Because, I have a personal connection with this person, Chase
0: cool. Island, who uh, uh, we shared a number of years in the middle school, high school era together, and he and his family provided our uh, What you Watching jingle that you've been hearing of late. So Chase submitted, uh, and he actually submitted RoboCop, which we did cover, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, an, an additional submission he made was for the Blair Witch Project, and he says, I was a sophomore in college. Uh, when the Blair Rich Project was released and was living in an apartment with two guys and there were another three across the hall from us and all six of us went to see the Blair Witch Project together with a few other friends on opening weekend. Being a group of 10 or so 19 to 20 year olds, we weren't privy to the fact that it was a fake found footage film. We were definitely skeptical, but it seemed to be somewhat real. After it was over, one of the guys said he knew of a place just across the river in good old Phoenix City, Alabama, I'm I'm with you there, Chase, (laughs) where there was an abandoned church gym construction site, an abandoned church gym construction site, nothing good is going to happen there, (laughs) where people would do satanic rituals. Oh, my. This is intense. Gosh. We all thought he was full of crap, but we went, and he wasn't lying. (gasps) He somehow convinced all of us to trespass and try and find ghosts or witches or whatever. We went to the place with flashlights and it was definitely a scary experience that I
1: will never forget. Getting, that's intense. I'm getting kind of creeped out hearing that. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. that's uh, that's yeah. a lot. That's a lot. Um, okay, so I have one also from friend of the show. He uh, actually not only submitted uh, the never-ending story, but joined us for the conversation. Uh, And that is uh, one of our favorite Canadians, Dave Courtney. Um, It's our favorite Canadian named Dave Courtney, for sure. Um, And he wrote... (laughs) He wrote uh, another submission, and this is a film, so so Dave, I'm bringing this up because this is a film that I have yet to see, and so your submission here is prompting me that I, I really need to prioritize this movie because you, you're on the wavelength of things that I really enjoy, but here's his submission. He says, my favorite horror is the kind that is rich in theme, symbolism, and message. It's rare to get one of those kind of horror films that also fits in the YA genre. As someone who's long struggled with depression, anxiety, and self-worth issues, one of the first films that came to mind for me when you asked us to submit choices for the series is the little-known and little-seen film, The Transfiguration, it's a small indie horror film with much to say about being loved for who we are, even in our brokenness. Even more than this, the imagery of the transfiguration calls us to consider ways we can be freed to love one another, declaring their worth and helping transform their own sense of belonging. This is not horror in the sense of scares, but it is a great job of unearthing that inner struggle that often inhibits us from living free from the fear of sin and failure. And I thought mm. that was quite lovely. Is it a big pitch. You know what that sounds like? Sounds like a, what saves us submission right it does. there. It's, sounds it does, like what saves us so consider re- that you gotta Dave.
0: resubmit though you gotta resubmit Dave. <laughs> it is true that's, so that's awesome um, that's very cool yeah you want to re- um, you want to read one more i would love to because reading is fun <laughs> um this one is submitted by jacob sane who <laughs> has the glorious <laughs> distinction of introducing us to the witcher Indeed. and before i get to jacob's story i do want to share a really funny story I experienced the other day. So... oh I don't know if you're much of an Ikea head, Reed. Mm. Like, well, what you might or might not know is... What are, oh, my gosh. They're Swedish, right? Maybe. So, if you ever go to Ikea, the names of all the things are really absurd from a, an anglicized English language oh, perspective.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: And, sure enough... All I could think when I was there was because, oh, I'm sorry. That's the story. I was there recently to pick up some things. And walking around, all I could think of was Yennefer of Vandenberg. (laughs) And because all all these item names might as well have been called Yennefer of Vandenberg. You'd be Uh, like, oh, you got that at yes. Did you see the new Ikea catalog with the Anna of Annapur? You know, yes. It's a lovely couch. I I bought two. (laughs) Right, right. It's a lovely couch. So yes, the Witcher has definitely left an impression and also releases.
1: Yeah. uh, Sometime this summer. Yeah. I think it is. Season two is coming out soon. So much sooner than I thought it was going to be.
0: Uh, so Jacob's actual submission was not IKEA, uh, but in this instance, it was the house October built, which I've never heard of. Um, this film is a found footage. It sounds like that's the place to be for scares. Uh, found footage style adventure in which five young adults set out to find the scariest haunted attractions across America. The premise is very believable and quickly gives most horror fans a sense of, Hey, that could be us. As the group pushes themselves to find darker attractions attractions in search of quote-unquote real scares, we soon are forced to question how much of this is real and how much is just part of the game. What scares me, Jacob says, is the psychological toll we willingly place on ourselves in search of some cheap thrills. How far do we go until we can no longer tell fiction from reality? Would we really talk ourselves into emotional trauma and physiological torture just to be entertained? Ultimately, when does our thirst for thrills turn into gluttony? What scares me is indulging our fears so much that they become our whole reality, and we become blind to whatever light could have shown in and given us hope. The House October built is not expertly crafted. I would not expect to see it on any top ten countdown, but the questions it raises can be scary, and its message has a lingering effect that stays with you well into the night. Sounds like it. Ooh, I, have spooky! You seen this?
1: I have. It has been years, but I have seen this. There was even a sequel. That I unfortunately never made it to, but I would agree with, uh, Jacob's assessment there that it's, it's, um, it definitely delivers the chills. It's not going to make a top 10 list, but it, del- it definitely delivers the chills. And if you like that premise, if you like that kind of thing, The Houses October Built is, uh, is definitely, uh, quite a, quite a fascinating movie. Um, mind if I round at home? I got one more. Do it. I just got Do one it. more. Okay. This is our, this is our old, fl- our old friend, Blake Collier. Uh, I just, I loved this when I read this story. He's uh, so listeners by now, they're well acquainted with Blake. Uh, the only time I was scared by a horror film as an adult was when I went to see the first paranormal activity at a midnight showing in Amarillo, Texas. I knew nothing about it except for the guerrilla marketing techniques they used on the advertisements. Basically showed the audience reactions to what they were seeing and little else. It was a scary movie, however, and a midnight showing. And I was so psyched to go. An hour and a half later, I remember walking out of the theater a little shaken, because I believed then, and still do to this day, that demonic possession and persecution was a possibility. The slow burn of the film and its ending, which took it out of the realm of just ghosts and more into the demonic, did a real number on me. It didn't help that I was going home to a completely empty house where I would have to ignore creaks and random noises all night. Needless to say, I didn't fall asleep until around 5 a.m. in the morning. Jeez. When it came out on video months later, I bought it and decided to watch it again. Made it halfway through... (sighs) (laughs) And shut it off because I could feel myself getting freaked out again. I think I put in some forgettable Nick Cage movie after that. The only other time I watched that paranormal activity was shortly after the fear of God covered it. Something happened. Instead of freaking myself out, I instead fell asleep, thereby breaking the enchantment of that film over my being. So I like to think that we provide yeah. a psychological I thing I, I like to a I, salve <laughs> we a psychological do, salve we, we we are henceforth changing our uh name from uh the fear of god to the balm in gilead so that's that's what we're gonna do from, <laughs> from now on <laughs> no but sincerely well, it was it was because the um you know the the, the demon who just wants a buddy you oh know, man but, normal activity <laughs> Normal activity. normal activity he just wants a hug so no that's the alien just wants a hug but man normal yeah, activity yeah. is like that shirt looks really good on you so <laughs> <in> this... <laughs> I'm cold can I sleep with you <laughs> oh my gosh, so, funny. <laughs> um, so sincerely listeners thank you to everybody these past few months Absolutely. who has submitted um, I've really just from the bottom of my heart I, I've really uh, enjoyed the privilege of getting to speak to some of you uh, to hear your voices, to hear your stories and to get to talk about these films um, in different contexts and, and really looking forward to the next wave of uh, what the rest of the year has for us. But thank you to each and every person who submitted. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. It's been a really, really, really good time. So but there was one person speaking of good times. Yeah, there was one person <laughs> who I talked to a lot, but. They had yet to submit a What Scares Us. And then uh, hmm. then I asked, and I'm talking about you. I'm talking, I'm talking about you. Well, right. Would, I got that would, much. Would you, <laughs> did, you, did you? Yeah. yeah and, that was uh, uh, it was not <laughs> unclear. Yeah, it was, yeah, a little less, a little less uh, obvious there. Um, so last week, you uh-huh. primed us that this was, you know, potentially a very heavy film, potentially going to be something that was going to be sort of difficult to talk about. I had never seen it. Uh-huh. Uh and I had I think heard Are you about, about to
0: it? ask yourself what you thought about it? Maybe I will. <laughs> this will be a real existential moment. What'd you <laughs> yeah, think? Yeah. What'd you think? Reed? I don't know. So, I
1: just you know, like I'm beside no, myself. Hey, hey, go, go ahead.
0: I'm sorry to be joking. No, um, no,
1: no, no, you're okay. But um so I wasn't I I was because you and I talk about things in different contexts, I was I was aware of what the content was. Like I was aware mm-hmm. of what the subject matter was. But had never seen the film, and and was kind of braced. I did a little bit of sort of just practical sort of stage setting to prepare myself for what I, you know, like I made sure, like, okay, all right, I don't have any tasks. I'm not going to multitask or anything. I'm just going to kind of mentally brace, mentally prepare myself for what the story was going to give me. Um, And it it is one of those things that is, I would say almost more powerful and affecting as a story and as a – yeah, I'll just leave it at that – as a story than it is necessarily as, like, a cinematic experience. Like, if you're going into it from my perspective, if you're going into it for, like – Technical prowess or a lot of flashiness. Like one of the things I really appreciated about it, this was directed by David Schwimmer. The film, by the way, if we haven't picked up what we're talking about, we're talking about a film from 2010, directed by David Schwimmer. Yes, that David Schwimmer from Friends, um, directed by him, and it's called Trust. It stars Catherine Keener, Clive Owen, um, and uh, what is the daughter's name? I forget. Hang on. I will have it because I want to say it right. Um, and then uh, Liana Liberato. And it not is, to mention Viola Davis, oh, Jason yeah, Clark. Vi- but yes, yes, yes. Jason Clark, uh-huh. Viola Davis in smaller roles. Um, and one of the things that I kind of appreciated about it is that, and some of this was rooted in what I keep talking about, the the sort of um, low lower quality. I shouldn't say lower quality. That's not accurate or fair. You said it this way. There's like a lo-fi sort of energy to the production. It very much felt to me, like it was uh, sort of a, a production designed for uh, perhaps more for television than for the big cinema. But one of the things that I genuinely appreciated about it is it's intentionally not sensationalizing what you're seeing on screen, which I think is really important mm-hmm. for a story like this. This is not uh, interested in a lot of gimmicky cinematic techniques. It's interested in telling this story, I think, as sensitively and honestly as it can possibly tell it, both in the performances and the narrative structure, and I really appreciated that very much about it. Um, if somebody were to walk away and say, "Like, well, yeah, it's it 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 kind of has more of a you know a, a, a TV movie kind of vibe," I wouldn't disagree. In fact, I, I kind of just described it as such. But I just really responded very positively to the film's sensitivity to the 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 touch that David Schwimmer as a director clearly had. In crafting this film uh, in a way that, because it's my understanding that he has worked with like crisis centers for Mm -hmm. for, victims of sexual Well, there's some
0: specific organization. I did a decent, better reading after this viewing. Uh, I can't remember the specific name of the organization and uh, like an idiot didn't write it down. But there's at least one specific advocacy organization for rape victims that he has been... Uh, maybe even on the board of, Hmm. uh, at Hmm. at minimum an advocate for, for at this point, probably 20 years, if not more. Sure. Yeah. Um, and to your point, uh, a, a brief summary of the film is, um, uh, Clive Owen and Catherine Keener are a husband and wife with three children. They gift their 14-year-old on her birthday a computer uh, that becomes the portal by which she is sexually preyed upon by uh, a a serial rapist. Um uh and and just the kind of fallout of their experience. And so uh on top of the advocacy work he had done in because you know you even cited my own words there which is not inappropriate in terms of the production value but the performances are extremely strong um and in reading interviews after the fact he was very intentional about casting an actual 14 year old Mm. in large part because what he didn't want and what they actually actively tried to not do and it was interesting the way he described this and and I'll, I'll sort of def- describe it out loud and you'll be like, no, I actually see that. He said, what we didn't want is to age up the performer and you mentally view them as similar in age, such that you part ways with how wrong it is. Yeah. yeah in other words, I understand. it was very intentional about an age appropriate performer. Um, yeah. So, Do you care if I just free will for a second? No. Go ahead.
1: I am curious about, and and maybe you can either include this or something. I am curious how you encountered this film the first time. You know,
0: it's funny you ask that because I was thinking about that today and I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I don't even know when I initially saw it. It was definitely not in the theater. Yeah. Um, children of men really put Clive Owen on my radar in a very substantive way. And it's possible it was in the wake of just sort of watching yeah. stuff with him. Checking out know. his catalog. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and as I will occasionally relay on here, as my wife likes to point out that I am a very much a glutton for punishment and <laughs> good Lord. Um, but you know knowing my own what scares us was on the horizon uh the 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 popcorn <laughs> choice i did not make uh actually there were there were several in rotation throughout the last five months or four months or however long this has been going on um one of which we're getting to on the 80s uh, yeah, uh but the other one that started circling the radar was arachnophobia and but the more the more I wrestle, yeah, sure. There you go. There, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, we we do need to cover that at some point. But do we? You know, the more I the more I wrestled with, yes, the more I wrestled with the the question itself. The harder it was to part ways with this as an honest choice, um, and. Uh, just just for the the sake of subject matter we will not be doing a that ain't right this episode we we will probably dive into some of the the more harrowing elements of the film but not yeah. in, in any sort of jokey fashion yeah but not foreign information to any listener of any amount of time i have three daughters and uh or th- actually that may be uh, new information i don't know how open i've always been about the gender of but we have three children all of whom are daughters and <laughs> you may not even have put this piece of the puzzle together but uh, a slightly more than i typically would be want to divulge at a very specific era of life and still with some residual effect i am an actively large hansen fan i like <laughs> the band hansen i have seen them live i had no idea they were going to be featured on in this soundtrack in the opening scene. Mm -hmm. Well, what you may or may not remember is (laughs) real deep dive peek behind the curtain of the Rouse house. We had a pretty elaborate matrix by which we chose our children's names, uh, which will not really be divulged in the moment except to say, uh, at least two of the three and almost the third, uh, hanson song titles were relevant (laughs) to that matrix
1: uh
0: and so when you watch a movie that has this subject matter Mm -hmm. and it opens with that Mm -hmm. and you're like oh my god yeah uh it just had a an immediate it in other words uh uh, a a person unfamiliar with them unfamiliar with that song might just be like oh oh, Boppy" kind of tune Mm -hmm. to me i'm like uh what (laughs) you right. chose this band yeah. to feature in this film about a father of daughters and the and right. the, the the troubling aspects of what befalls them yeah um yeah. so so there will come a point where i will stop chattering but well oh, you're fine I, I got most of my weeping out during the viewing so i doubt i will get necessarily there but even in pitching you on the movie. I don't know if you remember this. I know exactly where I was. I was in my car, which is always the case, but I know where I was in my car in, in this city, even just trying to describe to you. Yeah. Hey, this has hit my radar again as a possible candidate here. I start telling you the narrative and, and get teary just describing it out loud. Mm -hmm. And so the narrative of the film, if you choose not to watch it and I don't blame you if you don't. Um, but the narrative of the film is, as mentioned, they gift, her, a computer on her 14th birthday, uh, that with, with quick, uh, expediency, she becomes preyed upon by an online predator who then, uh, prompts her to meet, uh, sexually assaults her, uh, and then the, the, the fallout from there. And so there's a, there's a couple of angles here and, uh, it is not utterly my intention to make this the Nathan episode, but, um, you know, it, it is the selection. And so this has been mm-hmm. on my mind a lot. Cause I've just been really processing like the, what scares me of it all. And being mindful of vagueness here as, as a young. Pro- so b- before anyone gets concerned at this, I was not sexually preyed upon by, uh, and that's not where this story is going, but, as a young person was made aware of internet pornography mm. by an adult in our orbit mm. in our life's orbit and still think about that aspect of my life and and and, and you know all of that entails and so i think about the double-edged sword that is the online world we've created and the, and the, what it, what it has as destructive capacity for us and the, the predation and the power abuse that is so easy to wield Mm.
1: uh,
0: uh, with that. So, so, before I get too lost in my thoughts there. So you have that angle of my comprehending this film and, you know, the, the, the knowledge of what this gateway is for young people. If, if bad faith influencers intercede uh, and, and expose them to this, but uh, clearly the second angle to that is, is the parental aspect. Mm. I mean, read when we were covering the haunting of Hill house. Sorry. Some of that was a bit nebulous. I was finding my way through some of those thoughts there, but no, you're okay. And, and probably will be for the bulk of this time. But when we were covering Hill house and my emotional response to Liv's scene with, uh, Annabeth Gish, is that her name? Yeah. The, their servant. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the monsters out there scene oh when, right. when yes when live is so terrified mm-hmm. of the world out there mm-hmm. like this movie and what it conjures for me comes to mind watching that scene like that like that mm. lurked in the recesses of my brain because and I'll tie out a real direct line here knowing the story I just told about my own experience as a young person and the scriptural imagery of the millstone around one's neck being placed upon someone by another person. Like, like if you, if you harm or, or if you enable harm to children, I think about that as a parent. I mean, dude, my eldest kid is about to be 13 and we have at great, it has taken great will to withhold a phone from her. Yeah. Not to deprive per se, not to punish. Uh, I mean, it led to a whole thing a couple months ago where she kind of uh, emotionally burst forth that the sort of stigma she feels for not having one. Yeah. And even just that scares the hell out of me. Right. Of course. Because of this, because of a story like what you watch in this film. And because of my personal experience in the past of, of whether it's an adult peer or uh, a pastor uh, over overcharging uh, or or in charge of uh, a congregation and the power abuse that is wielded sometimes. So, so you have this delicate line between intentional abuse Right. That right. those that those who wield it wouldn't call abuse, but is and unintentional enabling door opening mm, that mm. happens, and so so again, sort of finding my way through some of these thoughts. But these were as I've kind of wrestled with the because because I don't I don't I I don't have a what saves me to take away from this film. Right. In other words. In other words, facing these fears, I have not found freedom from them yet. Right, and then I don't, right. I don't know that that's going to be any sort of immediate thing. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, I, right. um, how do I put this? I'm I'm a large, hairy dude. I don't <laughs> worry much about my being and person being preyed upon. Right. Uh, I mean, I live with subconscious concern for my children being preyed upon and, and stack on top of that. Somehow my inadvertent blind spot that might permit that somehow.
1: Right. Mm. You know? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, go ahead. Um, so, this
0: is a very special episode of The Fear of God, a Very special episode. <laughs>
1: um, so I'm the father of a son. Um, and the perspective that I have is not the same precise concerns that I understand you would have. But we also, though have been a little bit more lax in some of the technology restrictions as to what you've described. Um, we've had to have the conversation about friending people you don't know sure. on yeah. Nintendo Switch or on Roblox or, you know, these, like, platforms which, in right. one on one level, can be bounties of creative expression and then also what's lurking over there you know um and i think so i have not terribly worth maybe getting into everything but i have some i have some experiences in my in my own life um that happened to me that make this subject um strike me in some unusual ways and that's not to say that they're going to be that I'm going to have anything terribly profound to come out of it. But, um, there's a couple of experiences that I had as a child that were, um, I will call them. They were, they were strange and they were, um, the behavior of older people who knew better. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, and a couple of instances where something it, it would be a mischaracterization for me to say that any version of what happened to me is comparable in any way to what happens to the daughter in this movie. Like not not nothing even perhaps in the ballpark. But some occurrences where older people and this is actually like before the days of the internet as I was growing up, older people um seizing opportunities of vulnerable trusting children and there's a couple of things that were said and done which still mess with my head and still uh in some ways uh i carry uh certain degrees of of complexity whenever these subjects kind of come up i realize i'm being still a bit intentionally vague but uh i am trying to characterize that like One of the things that really struck me about this film is the frustration, and this will hopefully make a little bit more sense, the frustration that the father feels that he didn't know about it, about what was happening, and that he feels a certain blame because he Mm -hmm. gave her the MacBook on which she began Mm -hmm. this interact interaction uh it's like the second or third shot in the movie after he's given her the macbook and he's looking over her shoulder and she sees and he sees her talking to the guy like mm-hmm. and we because we're watching a film may pick up on something that's like oh okay that's um th- you know that's probably not a good idea you know because we we may have entered the film kind of knowing what the premise was and it's like oh that's that's probably the guy um, but he, the father carries a lot of blame. Clive Owens' character carries a tremendous amount of blame in and of his own heart. And for me, when I think about this kind of thing for my son, the difficulty that I have is how do I teach him? This is not necessarily a question for you. This is a wrestling that I have when I see a film mm-hmm. like this. How do I teach them how to? and specifically I'll talk about my son let me not get generic how do i teach my son how to be as the scriptures call out and and it's great when you're an adult to to think about this kind of thing but how do i teach my son how to be as crafty as a serpent and as innocent as a dove like how do i how do i instruct and guide that hey you have to be aware of the dangers that are there while still <laughs> without without like deflating every sense of wonder and trust that he has in the world. Like one of the things I love about my son is his abundant energy towards meeting new people. Like he's one of the, like he's one of those kids that like, if he, if he sees you and, and, you know, finds a connecting point with you, he's going to want to be silly and he's going to want to perform for you. And he's going to want to like talk to you about things that he likes and loves. And, and how do I avoid destroying that? which I love so much while simultaneously being like, Hey, there are weird people in the world who <laughs> will do right. things that are possibly will do irreparable change Right. Right. in the way you see that in that, you know, connecting a bit to my own experience in the way you see the world and the way you talk about this subject and the way you navigate certain other relationships as you mature and become an adult. Um, like and and that I'm not asking you to give me sure. an answer on that, but that's the wrestling is is how do I do that? How do I you know I feel that scene so much when Clive Owen towards the end of the film is con really confessing to her. Yeah, oh, all it's that an all, amazing scene, pouring pouring out everything that he's been wrestling with for this entire ninety minute movie. You know, um and and he talks about how much he loved her sense of trust how much he mm-hmm. loved you know that's the name of the film but how much he loved her sense of trust and that that you just you just feel the brokenness about it and for me do you mind if i ask something that risks bringing us a bit more to the shallows but it's not jokey it's just a a, a bit more into the sort of the superficial sure. uh considerations i actively wondered whose story this is and mm, that's fair uh, because it we we do spend a lot of time on each of them on her and her journey we spend a lot of time of, on him and his journey the mother is not merely incidental but we don't dig into her sure. process of this to the same degree that we do the father and the daughter right um and uh and so where i really landed on that question as i you know raised the question and then going to attempt to answer it even myself where i landed on that question was in that scene that they're able to reconnect they had lost each other in this this right. this had created a canyon between the pair of them but in that moment the scales have fallen off of her eyes she realizes by that point what has happened to her because she was in right uh just heartbreaking denial through a a a much larger amount of the film than i was prepared for terrible yeah um and and so then they come to this and he also is in his own form of denial because he's still trying desperately to control the situation and fix the situation and just punish the man who has hurt them so badly. And um and so then that moment towards the end where they just are able to share heartbreaking and devastating as it is, they're able to share this moment of just this is, you know, we've lost this thing, but then they're mm-hmm. able to refine each other. And I'm not saying that's a, you know, a cute little button or bumper sticker on the movie, but I did find that quite lovely. Like, they finally are both able to sit. She's finally able, in one of the most gut-wrenching breakdowns, Viola Davis plays this therapist and grief counselor mm-hmm. and, 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 and uh, assault and trauma counselor who's taking her through these processes – trying to help her cope with what's happened to her. And as I mentioned a second ago, she's in such rampant denial of what has taken place. I mean, it's it's Stockholm syndrome. It is. It absolutely is, yes. Yeah. And she's infatuated with him to the degree that she she believes she loves him, and she believes he loves her, this man who has done this heinous thing to her. And um, when it finally comes in, the part that was just so so much about it is so heartbreaking but what i latched on to is um what clicked for her was and this is just devastating to say what finally undid the house of cards for her is realizing that she wasn't special which to him to yes. him is an important distinction that she was not special to him and because of that then that's what finally comes crashing down like oh my god this is what happened to me and um and then for clive owen it's a little bit more difficult to sort of tap into precisely what his breaking point is, because you just see him sort of degrade over time. But for them to both come to a place at that end, that's really, you know, I'm I'm going around in circles about it repeatedly, but for them to come to a place at the end where they just finally can speak to what's been lost. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by, by, by speaking the truth about what has been lost, they are able to see each other again. And while I've no illusions and the film has no illusions that their relationship is going to go back to what it was before, I do get a very strong sense that they will, they will be able to build a sustainable, healthy, vibrant, loving, you know, father and daughter trust and father and daughter relationship past this. This is not going to be the end of them as in their relationship. Uh, and, and I did find that again, tremendously lovely. The fact that in speaking the truth about what they lost, they found each other again. Yes. And,
0: and I mean, that scene is incredibly powerful. Uh, the journey, both of those performers go on and, and by extension, this characters is very powerful. Um, I don't want to linger here too long, except that it feeds into other things. Did you,
1: did you see the end, the credits? I sure did. Yeah. Okay. I did. Yeah. Um,
0: it's worth noting, well, to,
1: worth calling out for listeners what that is, which is yeah, what you're probably about to do. Well,
0: I'm going to ask you to to compliment it if if there's more here, because I watched it on Amazon Prime, and so the film ends after this emotional moment with uh, Annie and Will, the father, Clavo in place, and then the credits begin, and a, a home video. Recording starts over the credits of a young boy uh, speaking to his father who's clearly holding the camera uh, the mother who is nearby uh, the camera turns around eventually and you see that it is the the predator and humorously uh, on Amazon Prime it cut out. I don't know if there's more to the scene itself.
1: Well, no, it did cut out other
0: than just identifying him.
1: No, it does cut so. Oh well, when did it cut? Co- so let me tell you what I saw in the scene, mm-hmm. and yeah. you can tell me if it cut out before or after this. So the camera turns; he gives the camera to the to his to to the boy, uh, mm-hmm. presuming his son. Son turns it on him, and you see that it's him. You see that it's the predator. But right. then another family runs up to talk to him. Did you see that moment? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So what happens after that is a family, starting with a like a teen boy. Runs up to him and they call him by name, though I can't remember what his name was. But they call him by name, and then that teen boy's mother and father come over, and it is revealed that he is that boy's physics teacher. Mm-hmm. And so then the the boy and and it, it, it ends this moment where the boy is then introducing his mom and dad to his physics teacher, who he clearly adores. Right. right. And and then uh, the 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 predator's son who is who is zooming the camera in it just ends with this uh all-american good guy sure. standing right. there and and just smiling and oh yeah you know like like everything about it it is as benign and casual as you could possibly and then he just looks at the camera looks at the camera that his son is holding looks at the camera and smiles not a you know uh, sort of a a, a a mischievous or anything smile just a very like it is it is right. a, it is obscenely normal it is obscenely just a very sort of genial smile that he gives to the camera and that fades to black and then the rest of the credits roll hmm. um, yeah
0: on amazon prime literally the kid takes the camera you see the face of him and that it, it's it wow moved on to the next thing yeah, yeah wow um kind of like in the netflix Fashion that it'll skip your credit oh, stuff. Oh, I see. Not mindful. Yeah, I watched this. Um, um,
1: not for nothing. I watched this on the um, the library service that I sometimes mention, Canopy, mm, where you know, so yeah. so, and and that had you know, so it has no what's up next to Q, so it just lets everything play.
0: Sure. Um, something that. Mm, let's do this, and then I'll do that. Okay. So I don't totally know what my answer will be for this movie. But the question I wrote down for you that is sort of our surrogate, that's not, that ain't right, is, is what, what scares you the most in this? Like, like what? Is there a scene? Is there or an image? Like, what to you as you watch this was your takeaway? Like, is, is yeah, how would you answer that? How well, might you answer that?
1: Yeah, I think. I think honestly the thing that scares me the most and it's it's not an individual scene so forgive me if this is broader than you intend but but the father's steady mental well I, I call it mental but it's also emotional and just uh physical because he's his he can't sleep anymore his decline throughout the movie as he is desperate to um find some means of controlling this situation um that is what scared me the most And the reason it did is because while I am not a stereotypical alpha male there, I I feel that impulse whenever anything happens to my wife or son, anything we're talking the most benign little nonsensical thing. I feel that impulse. I become unreasonably desperate to make it better and unreasonably desperate to find something and i've matured to a degree that i can put that at bay particularly for things that are not tremendously traumatic that are just the normal sort of day-to-day of living um but uh but but i still i feel that impulse and and i get that desperation so the thing that scared me uh writ large was just sort of like yeah if something truly awful were to happen like Seeing so much of potentially myself in the way Clive Owen responds to this, to his job and to everything else. I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. And then behind this behind the scenes of that, just utterly growing more and more desperate and losing himself in the process. Uh, as he hits brick wall after brick wall of not being able to do anything about this, lashing out at the wrong people, lashing out over the wrong things, losing sight of his daughter in the process, all of that. That's what scares me the most. Hmm. How would you answer the question, which is what you probably are building up to?
0: Well, I mean, I, I wasn't asking so that I could answer. I, was oh. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's, there's, there's maybe an isolated element and then a broader but in terms of the isolated element, the whole, the whole sequence at the mall is very upsetting. Yeah,
1: yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And
0: of course, how that culminates. But, you know, I had seen it before, so I was prepared for the sort of emotional weight of it. Um, but I don't know that I noticed this the first time I saw it. And I think that a thing that scares me the most that's kind of the thrum and the undercurrent of the film is that while Annie falls into the mouth of the beast, its teeth are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that rather strong metaphor is did you notice little things like at the mall, when it first comes up on the scene, there's a shot of an ad in the foreground of a an underweared young model. Mm. Like so, th- so that happens. Uh, uh, an easy one to point to is Will out to lunch with his coworker, and the way the coworker behaves towards the
1: server. Did oh, you catch that? I did. I absolutely did. The way he's and the server is clearly. I mean, sure. An adult, but clearly very, very young. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's but but one that stood out to
0: me a lot and makes me think this movie is a lot smarter than the quote unquote, you know, made for TV sexual assault movie is when Will is helping his son pack for college. Mm, mm. He jokes about the playboy in his room. Yeah. Yeah. And, and something about those things in summary really kind of broke my heart. Yeah. Because, because there's no one thing, there's no one individual you can point a finger at. There's no one, uh, um, predator. There's no one perpetrator. There's no one victim. It is an entire web and network of a society's denigration, dismissal, abuse, assault, rejection. I mean, I would say maybe of women, but Mm -hmm. of those who can be preyed upon. Yeah. Right. So as part of my sort of homework, I gave myself for this movie. I've not read this book, but it's been on my radar for a while. Uh, you'll, you're probably familiar with the author, uh, but the former Olympic gymnast, Rachel Den Hollander, hmm. um, who wrote the book, what's a girl worth. And my wife read it and she said, hmm. I don't know if you should. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Uh, because it recounts not just her repeated sexual abuse at the hands of one of the most influential uh, sports coaches in her field on the planet, yeah. but also her abuse as a child in a church setting, and the the fallout of that. Now, I've not read the book, but today I watched thirty minutes because of this interview she did, and this is where it will intersect in your radar. Um, She did an interview at, or she was a guest speaker and did a subsequent interview at what was called the caring well conference, which was ostensibly put upon by the Southern Baptist convention Mm. in 2019. And, was meant as a forum to discuss sexual abuse and accountability within the Southern Baptist convention. And the, her interviewer is Dr. Russell Moore. Oh, wow. Okay. And I would encourage anyone who's gotten this far in this episode, um, to go find it. It is very easy to find. Look up her last name. It does have a unique spelling to it. Google her last name and his last name, and you will find this video. It's on Vimeo. It's 30 minutes. And it's amazing, read to hear her tell her story. I mean, an incredibly poised, articulate, wickedly smart person. She is a lawyer now. She practices yeah. law. Yeah. You might have seen the headlines a few years ago. Like, the judge in the Larry Nasser case said of her, I've never had a braver person in my courtroom than you. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Wow. She was abused repeatedly as a late teenager, I believe by this coach and read, it's amazing to hear her story, which is her telling her story. I knew I couldn't win without work. So Mm -hmm. she effectively. I'm importing my interpretation upon her story, but she effectively crafts a career out of figuring out the way to expose this guy. Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. And because she knew without irrefutable proof, I will get swallowed by the institutions that are protecting him.
1: Oh my gosh. Wow. Mm. So she
0: becomes a lawyer, practices law. uh, And one day she sees an article that doesn't name him, but names the academic institution or the athletic institution that he's associated with. And she knows these reporters are going to do well by this story. So she goes to them Oh wow. and says, as far and as wide as we can spread this, I've got, I know what you're after and I'm going to help you. And so they wow. blow up in the story because what they had to do was get it out from under the institution
1: Yeah, because like, mm, the institution
0: yeah. would swallow it. What's fascinating about this read is she's at this caring well conference Speaking to the Southern Baptist Church Mm -hmm. about the Southern Baptist Church's offenses. And it's powerful. Wow. And and what you probably know is the end to this story, but didn't know it was connected to this. Russell Moore, her interviewer has left because of the church's inability to reconcile itself to its history. Yes. And and what even put this whole interview on my radar was I just saw this week this week. Uh, uh, a headline that was something that, that effectively the quote was protect the base B A S E. Mm. And it was circa that era, 2019, whoever was the head at the time, basically saying of sexual assault victims stories, we need to protect the base effectively dismiss these stories. Oh my God. Right. And I, and I Mm. bring all this up simply to say what to me is so wrenching and heartbreaking about this film is all the, all the little ways that we contribute to, that we participate in, and that we benefit from that machine. Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, it's, it's disheartening. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's depressing. uh It is hard to know where to even start to do better, you know. Other than to your question, to your question, and to the very pressing question in my life and on my radar. It isn't you crush your children's wonder. It is willingness to 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 wrestle through the difficult things to have an honest conversation that isn't that that is both. The world will eat you alive and the world is beautiful that both of these things somehow can be true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't really get it, but I do think it. I do believe it. I do think the power of the story and the film trust is there are no easy answers to this type of trauma to any real type of trauma. It's, it's, I mean, it's what Viola Davis says. People get hurt. There's only so much we can do to protect ourselves. The only thing we can do is be there when we do fall down to pick each other up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think. I mean, hearing the. uh, Man, hearing that story about. The woman coming forward and, and putting everything together. I am not. Hmm. I'm not prepared to say too much. So I'm going to say the pieces that have arisen for me to say, um, and then we'll just leave them where they are. Um, The incidents that I so vaguely referred to earlier, if I were to detail them, which I'm not about to, there are four of them. Three of them take place in church settings.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: Um, One of them, the largest, if you want to describe it as such, the most impactful of them. I told people about, people that I love, and for the sake of ministerial considerations, Mm I... I was asked to leave it alone. Mhm. And um so when I hear you know protect the base, right? And whenever these subjects arise, um and Nathan, I'm a man and I cannot even imagine if the experiences that have taken place in my life and in my world are what they are. How much more so for people who do not have the, perhaps, foot forward, I guess you could say, in the, in the, the um, basically, what I'm trying to say is how much harder would it have been if i was a woman in that position than being Mm -hmm. a man in the position as it was and everybody's story is their own my story is mine every other person who has a story out there that is theirs and it's it's important um that that be given it's 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 due respect but yeah and then this is not a you know this is not a a tear down or a takedown of of uh the church writ large. Although I will say when, as we've said on this show multiple times before, when the church is just, when the church is merely a system that has to be protected, like, yeah, I'll go ahead and say it, to hell with it. You know, mm-hmm. if that, if that's all it is. Um, and, um, yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah. It, it, it I hear you and rational me wants to assent to your diplomacy. What I don't not think is the Christ in me wants to say, (laughs) take it down brick by effing brick. Yeah. Because I mean, read Russell Moore asks her who this woman who has more, who has gone through the the trenches, the been dragged through the gutter and has come out the other side, uh, an incredible human. He says, What would you, where would you point to that is doing it right? It being accountability for, uh, 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 power abuse, accountability for sexual abuse, uh, specifically he's asking about churches, she says, not really anywhere. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And Mm. she's actually at a more whole place than I am in my attitude. Uh, just there's a decent chance it's because hers has been so public. And so she's been forced to be, but, but it is one of those things. This is a movie that I watched and, and paired with this interview I watched where you do come away and you say, you, if you're me say to your friend of 20 years who just backpedaled on you weren't doing this the way I'm saying it, but no, the backpedaled no. on, well, no, but no is the, is the end of the sentence, mm-hmm. not no, but, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and there is, there's is a way, um, I always, this is gonna sound like a long win, a long way to get to around to patting myself on the back. It's it's partly not, but I, I didn't love for a while how these stupid, you know, uh, culture war moments that would happen where, Oh, well, you know, because I'm a father of good daughters, blah, 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 or because I'm a husband, I can't, I can't believe X, Y, Z. It's like, and people would say, Oh, well no, you should just naturally as a human be perfectly ethical and and righteous, I guess. (laughs) But, but I do think there is a way for me, um, in the way that as not a black person, I have had to do a lot of hard work and a lot of hard study and a lot of hard reading and exposing myself to a lot of things in order to better comprehend that station and status and plight. A gift, a gift that being a father solely of women has done for me is said there is no but. It is Only and always to the mat for these people, not for the institution, whatever the institution is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know that for me, because I'm lazy that I would have gotten to that without partly some life experience. Yes. Sure. Because there is part of me that wants to say, well, you know but we need to still do the thing until you hear the bs garbage that you know it's like well um let's protect the base stuff like that where you're like burn this to the ground because it is not
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> there is always nuance to we all have our sin and fall short of the glory of god that nuance matters but institutions are not people And people are what God loves and wants to be present in and redeem, not institutions. And if an institution, as they do and are and will continue, actively grinds people up in the wheels of their power accumulation, they should be rejected and, and, you know, let, let people with more skin in the game reform them
1: if they want. But, you know... Yeah. <laughs> because you will not and this is not me trying to be pithy, but getting back to what I connected to about this film, until you until you speak the thing of what it is, until you call it what it is, you won't you won't find yourself anymore. Like until that in other words, until you stop pretending that it was anything else. Right. Until in your language until you burn it down you you won't you don't stand a chance the relationships to this day relationships to this day that mean a lot to me are affected by this sure. in in my life, and I have been absurdly lucky to have reached. Certain places of maturity and safety and well-being and those kind of things, but it's still it still affects me. It still affects me there that I'm 40 years old and there are still things about my life that I go back to that 13 year old boy and realize in my quieter Moments when there's not as many lights on in the house that if that little boy and if things had happened different to that 13 year old boy, there would be many things that would at least maybe they would be the exact same in terms of their structure. But I would at least feel safer and I would feel more whole and I would feel more able to be present in the relationship than I can be because of right because of the way that boy wasn't stood up for and protected when he said what happened. Sure. And, and
0: the, the, the story I alluded to, I think about that. I don't think about it as much anymore, but, but there was a moment in time where it, it did haunt me a decent bit. And I do think about this peer or if I say peer, this this person that existed that still exists. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, And I think, do you know you crippled me? Like, mm, mm, like, mm. I, I don't think they do. And that's pretty awful in and of itself. But, you know, that sort of thing strikes me. And I, I wanted to circle back to your uh, notion here of naming the thing, yeah. um, naming appropriately. Mm, so mm-hmm. Rachel, in this interview with Russell, he's asking. I mean, it's go watch it listener. Go watch it friend read, go watch it. But he asks her what are appropriate. I don't exactly remember his question, but she, her response to whatever the question was, was talking about proper scriptural usage. And she says, um, be careful in how, in, in dealing with victims of abuse, be careful how, and if, and when you use scripture almost at all, but a mo- a scene in the movie that connects to the story um and we'll get specific in a second was the moment when Will's colleague confronts him after the the big ad gala after the big gala and he's like what you know what's up with you there and uh Will tells the colleague about any
1: this yeah
0: and and at first the colleague is is horrified oh my god are you okay is she okay this moment and, registered very hard for Yes. Me. Yeah. And Will informs him of the circumstances of, 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 you know, kind of Annie's relationship with Charlie, the predator and his colleague softens. And he says, Oh, Oh, I thought you meant, Oh, she knew him. Mm. Oh, okay. Like mm. something about the flavor of what will has shared changes how, the colleague perceives the trauma that is actually true to the event. And what was really fascinating is in uh, Rachel's response, talking about scriptural language, she says, be careful how we describe heroes of the faith and and the way God has redeemed certain things and the way we, we use actual language. And she cites David and she says Mm, more often than not, people will reference that David fornicated And she says, no, 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 David raped someone. Yeah. And that is a very important distinction.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. And without properly naming the horror, can you really have an appropriate, you know, I don't, I don't, redemption sounds too pithy, but you can, you can't really, you can't get there if you can't name the trauma. Yes. and Yes. I'm connecting that to that scene in the movie where it's like, whoa, bro, like whatever you, whatever misconstruance is happening for you, it still is horrific and traumatic and yes. what you thought it was to begin with.
1: Yes. Um, what we, what we talked, I, I didn't intend this to, for this to come back up, but it's just, it's clearly on my mind. I don't know if listeners know, well, listeners wouldn't know because we don't, you know, you know, you know, to update people on our debriefing of episodes. But what we talked about with Lake Mongo about condescending and not Mm -hmm. passing judgment on what it is and not creating a verdict of, you know, assessing the situation, but rather condescending and being present in the situation Mm -hmm. with them um, has stayed with me tremendously. Um, Mm -hmm. And that friend in that moment it's like that's you can see the colleague, the colleague, he, the, yeah, yeah, the colleague. You can see him rapid fire, like you said in that scene. That scene hit me really hard because in that scene, Clive Owen has just opened the door to one of the most impactful things that has ever happened to him as a father, as a man, as a person. Um, and then the colleague, you can see it in real time, the colleague downgrading the temperature on right. what had happened as he hears certain particular situations, because what we're in danger of doing for ourselves or for anything else, what we are in danger of doing is dismissing. And as, as a person who can be this way myself and certainly has a son who can be this way that um, we have a tendency to say, Oh, you're being dramatic about this. Um and have a tendency to be dismissive towards whatever it is that they are experiencing, because we may assess in our interpretation that it is not as big of a deal. Now, maturity does dictate that certain things do not become catastrophes. I mean, sure maturity dictate i mean when you're a child i I, uh, at the risk of being somewhat jokey for a second one of my favorite little memes is the the memes that they've shared of of like reasons toddlers cry or reasons little children cry and it's it's shared by parents so it's not mocking but there's there's one that i always remember where it said my child it's got a picture of a crying face and said my toddler asked my child asked for cheese and i gave them cheese and it's just (laughs) and it's this child just crying so, I'm not saying that it's not possible to be exaggerative and, and, and overly dramatic, but there's a tendency, and this is what I'm calling out, there's a tendency that we have to leap there first. We find we're, we're seeking reasons or sometimes seeking reasons to downplay what's happened for what? I don't know, for the sake of what we're afraid to lose, for the sake of our of our own reputation that we're afraid to lose, for the sake of protecting something, uh, maybe for just a, the raw sense of denial that we can't cope with what we're being told or something. But we have this tendency to want to dig in and find a reason to downgrade it, to find a reason right. to say it's it's not really that big of a deal. Now, I have not seen this series, and we're certainly not talking about it right now, but there's a series that Netflix did recently called Unbelievable. And I have not seen the series yet, but in the little 15-minute review uh, that I heard about it on like an NPR movie show, uh, in the they they talked about how one of the characters who experiences that trauma does not know how to cope with it. And because she does not know how to cope with it, Other people disbelieve her because she's not acting in a way that they prescribe she should be acting, but it's all rooted in her inability to know how to cope. And that translate translates to them as, well, she's making this up or this is, you know, that's, that's one of the roots of the show. Again, I haven't seen the show, but it made me think about in these ways in which like, I can't remember what episode we've said it on this show, but it's important Man, I wish I could remember what movie this was from. Maybe it'll ping for you. There was a there was an observation where we talked about how powerful and freeing it is to just be heard and be believed. Like mm. I've I've said a thing, and to to look back at this person and say I believe you. Like I right. I hear you, I see you, I believe you. And that does not necessarily I mean, is that a have- something wicked reference you're making. Uh It might no, be Charles it, it yeah. might be that might be because I know that that definitely pings very hard for me and one of the reasons I love so much that book and that character but but the point being that like yeah just the, the power of that of just like hey stop for a second I see you and I hear you and I believe you and that doesn't have to be perhaps even shouldn't be the ending of the discussion that transpires and the ending of the journey towards understanding and coping and healing that transpires, but just that fundamental basis of I hear you, I see you, I'm not dismissing you and the pains and the traumas that so many different people carry around with them in their lives. And, and instead we look for ways, and this is one of the things that I, that I get really frustrated by the I feel like I'm all over the place right now, so I'm going to try to to keep these two thoughts concise. The first thought is this, is I have grown in my life at a place where I am very well and full fed up, to your point, with trying to protect um, institutions and systems that continue to grind people up for the sake of the greater good, if you want to call it that. I do not consider that Christ like. I don't find one instance of scripture where Christ said that was the way to treat people or that that was the 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 right and true and good answer. Um and so uh I will say this in in full disclosure like if there's any sort of uh you know hero of the Bible scriptural precedent or anything like I won't say who, because it's their story to tell or not tell, but somebody else in my life that means a great deal to me was for a number of years in a physically, mentally, psychologically abusive relationship, and this person would literally torment them at home and then go to church and stand up and deliver praise reports. And while this person that is still in my life and that I, that I love dearly again, their story to tell or not. Um, but they, uh, suffered through this and trying to cope. And in their situation, the reason I bring it up is because they are told so much that they have to be the submissive one. And so surely this is all, Surely this is all appropriate, right? Surely this is all the way it is supposed to happen because they are cast down by that weight and that burden that they, you know, they have to follow the, the biblical guidelines for marriage, which is a submissive and passive wife in the way that it was translated to them. And I am no longer interested, my point, I am no longer interested in continuing to help preserve such a gross and inhumane interpretation and application of something that is still so sacred to me as the work of christ in our hearts and in our lives and in the world around us and i'm no i'm no longer interested in protecting things that that are only interested in protecting themselves the second thing that i will say because we're getting you know a little bit and and, and it's where the conversation is going and i'm, I'm, I'm not uh, decrying this but getting a little bit away from what the the threat of the film is in terms of like you know, the 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 place has teeth. You know, I loved the way you put this earlier. That it's like yeah, the world is beautiful, and the world also there are teeth everywhere. Like there are all of these pervasive problems. There are all of these things that if we are not um, if we are not open hearted, and if we are not open eyed, we will uh, be completely and utterly blind. Like, one of the things that I really applaud in the film is, and there's really no justice in the film for this friend, not substantially, but um, her friend in the film Mm -hmm. who calls Mm -hmm. the whole thing out at tremendous loss to herself, you know, and uh, and and personal, you know, sort of attacks that came out of it. But what a brave thing to do to say, like, hey, Mm -hmm. I think this thing happened and I I need to to speak up about this. Yeah. and I think what struck me so profoundly about it is that the, the daughter in the movie, uh, you know, is very Maybe. antagonistic. Uh, yeah, she's very antagonistic towards her friend. Right. Um, uh, because, you know, in her eyes, her friend has ruined everything. And I don't say right. that to be reductive, but like in her is eyes, she, that's,
0: I think that's the line she says to her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that she's ruined everything. And, um, and it just, it, it just takes tremendous courage. It takes premen- tremendous strength. Um, to try to stand up. I keep going back to it. And so for all the things that maybe I could say, maybe just the, the experience of this film, what it means to me personally, what it means to me um, in thinking about its broader implications for how I'm going to be a father and how I'm going to be a husband and how I'm going to be a friend um, and how I'm just going to be a person in the world um, is how vital and important it is to, as they do in that ending, like, Call, call the thing what it is. This is what happened. Like, you know, immediately so much uh, electrified when I heard you, uh, and I know this, you were quoting Rachel when she was saying, you know, like, uh, no, no D- David raped a woman. Like, right. that's, that's it's right. important that we call the thing what it is, because maybe by recognizing and acknowledging what's been lost, we have a fighting chance to find something there, and to find right. each other, um, but we cannot do that if we are not willing to call what's been lost what it is, and to say what's been broken, as it is, and to, and to call it by its truth, um, not, you know, downplaying it or hiding it for the sake of our own, ever yeah, everything. or to take the teeth out and call it locker room talk or something, but yes, uh, all of it, all of it, the right. moment, the moment that that was not a problem anymore.
0: Mm, we, the mo- I we won't go f- too far down this rabbit trail cuz you know. <laughs> yeah, <I> know. <laughs> it's just not worth it. But when I talk about what I saw this time in the movie and the web I referenced and how that uh, the web is ever present but or let me rephrase this. The metaphor I'm going for here. The web is everywhere, but every now and then you see a spider. Mm. Um mm. when in the in the film, these little moments remind you the web is there and then the spider is Charlie. In the real world, I shared this with some buddies recently. I was talking about you know judgment or not on the person but the moment in our society where we heard someone say uh, of women grab them by their genitals and then the society said after the fact I'm okay with that the web's always there but Mm. we saw Mm. that spider and we said ah teddy bear or whatever the hell sort of metaphor you want to go with there yeah it was even it was a tectonic shift for me
1: i get it i get it one of the things maybe for ignorant me, but no 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 but one of the things for me is the reason they said we're okay with that is because there were more and this is this Resonates so much with the things that I've heard in my own situation is because there were more important things to consider So we're going to ignore this other thing because there were more important things on the table and so help me God the amount of because I was talking earlier about things that are relevant to this film But it is not the only time in my life where I felt exposed or unfairly treated or sort of um for lack of a less blanketed way of putting it felt unsafe in the moment. And for the sake of the, the church concerns, I'm a pastor's kid for people who didn't know. And so for the, for the sake of, you know, what the, the, the appearances and and the broader concerns and all of those other things, then you're just going to have to deal with this and, and you're just going to have to, uh, be able to, to, to be the bigger person, to be the more, you know, to be the more spiritual person is the, is the more important thing. And that's the thing is that how many times things have been silenced and squashed and ignored because there are bigger and more important things. That the scriptures say it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's those things mm-hmm. that you regard as the tiny and insignificant things. That's what gets in and infects it, you know, like, viruses spread viruses are microscopic you can't see them so don't tell me that those little things that all oh, those bigger more important things those little tiny things are what gets in and that's what corrupts and, and infects everything your your story is
0: is in your chronological past which doesn't mean it's less relevant but means some elements of my story that i don't share is because they're not far enough in the chronological past and they still make me wonder should i speak more loudly but which is why i use analogies or analogs like grab them by the genitals because what happens there is we say the institution is more important than our willingness to throw our daughters into the mouth of the monster Mm. and we say okay well that's a sacrifice i can live with because the institution is preserved and that God is, have
1: mercy, God oh, have mercy. Yeah, and I um, think, that, and I think that, yeah, no, I, I, I just keep coming back to it. Like, for God's sake, speak the truth. You know, every everybody who knows a thing is what it is, and is is afraid to speak the truth. I just want so desperately for that to for that to be known. Like, no, you 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 need to speak the truth now on your terms mhm i do i do deeply believe that on your terms um but call the thing what it is so i have such a big advocate for you know like therapy and and certain sort of streams of you know like counseling or something like that of just like get like speak speak this thing truthfully honestly safely like you you can say the thing as it is and even if it just absolutely throws a stain on what you had previously regarded as untouchable we have to stop pretending that things are not what they are simply for some i don't know out of some obligation i'll say this i believe When I'm speaking about my faith or when I'm speaking about these kinds of things, like I do not believe that God is insecure. I do not believe Christ is unstable. And I do not believe that, as they refer to it in the scriptures, that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob needs my protection. I don't. And so when we talk about things and people say like, oh, well, you don't want to hurt the witness or you don't want to speak badly about the church. or You don't want to be. And and it's like it all just reeks of insecurity of empire. And insecurity of of uh, system and insecurity of structures. And I'm like, no, you need you need to speak the truth about the thing. You need to you need to say what it is. And yeah, if it all falls apart, then it all falls apart. Because then God will build it back.
0: Jesus well, stared. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um,
1: well, let uh, me just say and, this. Just, yeah, uh, just just as a button on that, because Jesus stared right at them and said, destroy this temple. Right. We, we've ref- we've references on the show. Destro- destroy this temple in three days. I'll make it rise again. Because he and of course he was referring to himself. Yes, context wizards, as I sometimes say. But the reality is that that's the thing. Like de- what? Destroy this temple. I'll make it rise again. And we are so interested in protecting and preserving because we built that right. So right. like so so we have to protect that. We have to preserve that. And 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 maybe that's not. So much what we should be so concerned about. I'm sorry, I I I I no, a, no, all over I was, what you were
0: saying. That's okay. All I was gonna do is r- more referencing from that interview. But, um, you know, to your point about don't harm this, don't harm that. She says, you know, the church loves to tell victims, well, don't damage this person's career or don't speak up about this because it, to your point, will damage a witness she said meanwhile those very same churches are using every legal avenue available to them in the united states to ensure that they are going to be protected from anything that might come up absolutely i.e i.e hey little person we'll push you out of our institution um and in fact she she at one point says more often than not when faced with choosing between liability and the power of God to transform creation. We choose liability.
1: <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Worth
0: worth checking out. I can't. Yeah. Do you want to head to the fog meter? I, I we stuff. can. Yeah.
1: So so yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. 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 How's yeah, <laughs> yeah. your friend pleading with you? <laughs> yes. So, I am. I will say this before we move to the fog meter. Um. Um. Nathan, you've always been somebody I could tell the truth to. And um maybe it's more appropriate for me to say this like off-pod to you, but it feels like on the tail end of this of this conversation like I just wanted to thank you for always being somebody who for whom I was safe to tell the truth. Hmm. And it has changed me and it has helped me and um going back to the um, the moment that they share at the end of the film. Like, we talk about what scares us and what haunts us in order to find what saves us, and uh, I'm not trying to be pithy. And at this moment, the show is almost uh, just sort of a thing in the background right now, but it feels important in this moment for me to just tell you thank you for always being somebody that I was safe to tell the truth to, And and I feel like if we can speak the truth about the things as they are, we will find the transforming power of the grace of God. We will find the transforming power of uh, Christ in each other uh, at work in each other. And um, and I just I couldn't leave the conversation without saying that, because if Mm. I didn't have you as a friend, I'm not entirely certain everything would have gone the way that it did. And I know that sounds dramatic, but you've been my friend for like 20 years. And, um, and I've always been able to tell you the truth, even when it hurt, even when it was hard, even when you and I had to like sort of have a couple of touch based conversations on like, okay, what happened here and what happened there? Um, and, um, I hope, I sincerely hope that if there's any listeners out there, the reason that I'm saying this is because I'm I'm not trying to create a scene or something, but the reason I'm saying this is because if there's any listeners out there who have somebody that they know to whom they can tell the truth, then for the love of God, say it, you know, Mm -hmm. speak it. Mm -hmm. Find that person and tell them the truth. And um, if they have the strength to be that for someone, then please, in the name of God, be that for that person. Um, Because you never know how important and how vital that will be. Um, that is, that is trust in its, in its purest and simplest form. The uh, You know, like, and you know, you worked, you worked for that one. That was a good button. I, it's funny. Cause it just, yeah, it just, it just came that it was somewhat spontaneous, but yeah, they, they spoke the truth at the end of the, at the end of the movie and found each other. And, and God, that is just well, echoing and, so
0: much. And maybe you're, you know, pointing to, cause, cause I meant this an hour ago watching this movie uh, living in the life i live in this movie scares the hell out of me in in right. the most gravity pulling of ways to the point that it was hard for me to know what is the what is the examine what scares me in order to find what saves me and maybe it is that maybe it is you know telling the truth and yeah. and as uh, a Frederick Beekner quote that I deeply and dearly love says that what is lost is nothing to what is found and that yeah. all the death that ever was set next to life would scarcely fill a cup. Mm. And that is poetry in the moment that should be held on to for when we do lose. Amen. Amen.
1: Can we, um, can we skip we the fog a meter? No. Can uh-huh. we skip can we skip the fog meter? I I sure. just want to say this film is uh, is affecting and um I think it's important, but the kind of conversation that you and I have had on this, um part of me kind of doesn't want to sort of like encapsulate that with with just like our normal sure. system, not, you know, <laughs> not out of any sort of like, Oh, the format is changing, but just like, no, I think just, you know, trust is what it is. It was, it was clearly an important work to David Schwimmer. It's clearly something that the people who were involved approached sensitively and honestly, and did their very best to illuminate a vital, uh, situation. And, and, um, and I think it is, is an important piece to, to have out there in the world. Uh, so I guess that means I recommend it, but, um, (laughs) um, but yeah, I know I threw you a curveball there, but is that okay? No, that's is okay. That, yeah. 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 I,
0: I guess all I would say there is recommend is a hard word. Uh, I think there's an easy case where this could be a very troubling movie and a very upsetting movie to watch. So yeah, certainly enter, certainly. enter it with
1: open eyes. Yeah. Cautiously as that end. Um, so this has been obviously a weighty conversation for a number of reasons. Next week, this is also wraps up our conversations about <laughs> what scares us. This, this big, long theme. Um, Next week we are going someplace significantly lighter, significantly more fun. Um I'll briefly summarize it cuz then we've already, you know, talked for a while so we'll be on our way. Um is uh, next week we are going to start a series of movie parties. On the fog. It's going to be so great. So
0: we're going to (laughs) be. Let me sharply pivot into excited. I
1: know. I know. Um, but it's, uh, it's summer. We're coming up into July and, uh, we are going to be spending the last half of the year talking about what saves us. And, and, uh, as we've mentioned, there, there's a mini Sode out there or will soon be out there, uh, for you to hear some information about exactly how to submit what saves us. Um, but next week, we are going to be having a series of four uh, with some special guests on each one, uh, a series of four 80s party. and 80s parties, and we are going to be going to some classic films from the 80s. Watch your mouth. <laughs> We're going to be going to some classic films of the 80s. I'll go ahead and give the syllabus. Next week is Hellraiser. Um, we're also going to be uh, finally tackling Joel Schumacher's The Lost Boys and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And threading through all of it is season three. You requested this on our very first episode I in did. 2021. Uh, so, But season three of Stranger Things, TV Guidepost style. So we've been talking about some heavy stuff. We're going to pivot into a lot of fun still with all <laughs> the depth that you've probably come to know and hopefully love about what we do here. But um, but next week, we will be specifically going to Clive Bar. Parker's Hellraiser and the first two episodes of Stranger Things Season 3. So prep yourself for that. Prepare for, you know, we're going to come up and and just kind of have a a good time through the summer. Have a little bit more of a a fun party vibe uh, before we pivot into what saves us. Um, But Nathan, I cannot thank you enough. I love you, my friend. And uh, listeners, thank you for hanging in there with us with what we do and uh, we we love our Fog community. As we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom but not the end of the conversation and in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your Mm. way rejoicing. Uh, Amen. So we will see you all next week for our big Fog and 80s party and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you then. See you next week, guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation, and you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes, or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God Discussion Group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of JacobHuntComics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright, who helped me, read Lackey, write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.